back. Hey, how's it going, Brett? Good. How are you, Ange? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank. So, are you ready for this trivia question? Someday we're going to be done with these. I think it's a great, I think it's super fun. I don't know if it's going anywhere. What percentage of Americans die in debt? Oh, uh, wow. Um, I would guess that's probably pretty high. Um, 55%. 73%. Wow. Die in debt higher. with an average balance of $62,000. In debt. In debt. This blew wow. me away. Because while I thought people were in debt, I guess I thought by the time you, like, you know, got to that point in life, you had, and this is in my picture-perfect mind, which is obviously not true, but I thought, like, okay, you probably owned a home at some point and then sold it and, you know, had all this equity come in and you could have paid off all your debt. And, you know, even if you need, like, end-of-life care in a nursing home, if you don't have any money, that's covered by Medicare. So, like, in my mind, I was just like, I'm sure only, like, 30% of people die in debt, right? 73%. So, what does that mean? So, when they die, like, does somebody, is somebody claiming that money? Or is that just, like, lost money to whoever they owed that debt to? So, it depends. Um, Some debts die with you, and then some gets passed on to your children. So. Sweet. Instead of an inheritance, I got a negative $60,000 balance. Like, that would suck. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Negative inheritance. Um, Yeah. Now, like, there's here's this whole new problem I never knew I had to worry about. And now I'm just like, oh, I have to make sure my parents don't leave me a negative inheritance, right? (laughs) I don't even care about, like, getting money. I just don't want to go red. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um. So anyways, today I wanted to talk about the different stages of F.U. money. Oh. I don't know if I'm actually allowed to swear on podcasts. Getting snarky now. Yeah, I think you make your own rules, so. Yeah, but iTunes has some rules, too, and I don't want to get banned. Well, if they turn on analytics tracking, then they can start telling us what we can and can't do. Yeah. Um, Alright, well then, this is the stages of fuck you money. And, uh... I don't know, maybe we, like, have enough money where I'm allowed to say fuck on our podcast and see if Apple wants to come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you get more popular. We'll see. Um, all right, so I have five stages of, of FU money. Um, so the first stage, and these are all, these are some of these I've experienced, and then some of them I have yet to experience. But I think it'll just be kind of fun to talk about, more of a hypothetical. Um, so the first one is you just got out of debt. Which, like, you never really had debt, right? Nope. I think for less than a year, or maybe a little over a year when I bought my car. So, okay. So you you did have that feeling, at least, of, like, paying off your car, right? Mm-hmm. Where you just feel, like, super free. I didn't have it that long, and I was strategic that I didn't, you know, buy it outright, so. All right. Well, you know. I'm <laughs> really, really... I'll, I'll own this one then. Uh, So I remember, like, I had a lot of debt. So I had student loan debt, and then I had a car loan. Um, So, like, within two years from graduating from college, I paid off close to, like, between, I think it was $38,000 of debt. So close to $40,000 of debt in, in two years. And I just remember feeling like, fuck yeah. 
Like, I can do anything. And, you know, I just felt so free. Like, I finally didn't owe anybody anything. Nobody could, like, take anything away from me. You know, it's just, you sleep better at night. You really do. Getting out of debt was the best decision I've made in my life. And, like, apparently I didn't even have as much debt as some people die with, right? I was, like, close to 40000 and people die with 62000 Right. Well, I mean, there's still time. That's true. Because what did you do as soon as you paid off your car? I bought a house. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't count... So I should say, I don't count that as the same type of debt because... And I know, you know, there we could have another housing crisis, but... Even with a housing crisis, our house right now would have to lose like half of its value for us to be underwater on our mortgage. So I always kind of feel like I have a get out of jail free card. Like I could sell my house and pay off the mortgage and be debt free. Right. And that's again, that's only applicable or the penalties would only apply to you if you were trying to sell your house during that time period. Right. Right. If you're planning to hold it for 30 years and you weather the crisis anyway it didn't really matter exactly so yeah i don't count mortgage but you know outside of that like credit card debt student loan i think student loan debt is the worst thing in the world i think that even paying off my car like it didn't hurt as much as paying off my student loan debt because even with my car like depreciation sucks but i could i knew i could always sell my car and because i put so much down on it i could still like pay off that loan. But with student loan debt, it's like, well, I can really only sell myself because I like earned these skills in school and now I have to sell them to make the money back, which, you know, I did successfully, but a lot of degrees can't do that or the debt is too high. And I mean, we just have a huge problem with student loan debt in this nation. So getting rid of that was just like the best feeling in the entire world. All right. Those poor art history majors. Women's studies, too. Yeah, it's tough. Um, Okay, so then my second stage, maybe you'll have felt this one a little bit more. Um, When you save to get to your very first target goal. So for me, that was saving to $10,000 after college and after I paid off loans or while I was paying off loans. And hitting that, like, target number and being like, yes, like, not only am I debt free, but I have, like... This emergency fund where if, like, any re- any reasonable thing comes up, like, I can afford to pay it. Yep, that was close to mine. I'd say my my emergency fund was my first, like, big pot of money that I was just trying to save up to to hit, mm-hmm. hit a specific monetary goal. And, yeah, it was around, it was, like, ten to $12,000 That's what I was shooting for. And how did that make you feel? Like, good? Or were you just like, meh, check, like, moving on? Uh, well, I think I hit it after I had started working at my, like, actual current job. Uh, so my first, like, real career job. And I was like, wow, I am hitting this way faster than I was, like, in the mm-hmm. four years planning to try and get to this number. Like, I just hit it in six months. So. Yeah. Because I think that's kind of, like, a hard thing for a lot of people. You pay off debt, and then it's like, what do I do now? So then you, like, set this goal, and then you hit it, and it's like, okay, really, what now? And I think this is where a lot you lose a lot of people and they actually backslide again. Uh-huh. Um, because it's like, you know, you paid off this debt, you saved this money, and then it's like, okay, well, like, what else can I do? I'm going to go buy a boat. Right, you think you're invincible at that point because you're like, well, okay, I guess, you know, all my struggles are over because, you know, I filled up all my 
my buckets that I was trying to, you know, save money for. Yeah. So instead, I'm going to tell you to graduate to stage three, and that is to have enough to cover expenses for a year. Now, I don't mean in your bank account. This is where you should probably start investing in mutual funds or your 401k or, you know, anything. Just have your your nest egg, whether it's equity in your home or anything, have your net worth be enough to cover your expenses for a year. And I think this is where things start to feel really exciting, in my opinion. Right, because this is a whole, yeah, this is a whole different level, a whole different opportunity where... I mean, it's so many different opportunities, I guess, right? Because there's so many different vehicles to save and invest in and do strategies. And I mean, you know, and it's getting bigger now because now you can invest in the whole crypto market. And it's not even just like the U.S. stock exchange, but now you can invest in this whole like other mythical exchange, right? Uh, Where people are like making and losing a ton of money every other day. Yeah. So not where I recommend somebody who only has one times their expenses to be investing. Definitely not. No. So... This, you know, this save that for maybe the next stage or do a very small amount of money. Um, you know, we actually have talked about doing a crypto episode. I think we still will someday. But right now for the average Joe, I would say mostly just ignore it for the average person. Right. Like there's I mean, yeah, because I've talked to people that are like trying to build up their portfolio and get everything where it needs to be. And, you know. It is for the people that are, you know, they've filled up all of their investment strategies and they're looking to yet diversify again, right? So even after you have like your uh, index funds and, you know, uh, you know, maybe an annuity and real estate properties and, you know, you've invested in like other weird things or uh, venture capital or, you know, Kickstarters, then you should think about cryptocurrency, right? Because then, like, once you've done all the other potential opportunities that are, like, more stable, then get into the craziest market you could possibly get into. Yeah. Um, All right, so stage four, are you ready? Yep. What do you got? Have enough to cover expenses for 10 years. Really, like, jumping the gun, right? From one year to 10 years. So just multiplying it out then, right? Mm -hmm. So just taking whatever you did for the first year and... Maybe your expenses have increased in that year that you were saving that money or whatever, but... Yeah, but, yeah, so just keep saving until you can cover expenses for 10 years. And let me tell you, this is where it gets boring. It's it's boring. It's really boring to get rich. That's the secret. Um, because, honestly, after you save enough to cover your expenses for the first year, you know what you're doing. You're investing in your 401k. You're maybe investing in an IRA. You're investing in some mutual funds. Um, maybe that includes cryptos, but probably not still, right? Because you're just, like, doing the right thing. And it's all on autopilot. Like, you know, every paycheck, this is how much goes towards savings, and I'll spend the rest. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in this stage or near this stage, and you don't even really budget anymore because, and I think you'll, when I say this, Brett, you'll probably be like, oh, yeah, that's us. Um, you don't even really budget anymore. You don't have like a fixed budget. It's just like you optimize every expense that you can so that you can save as much money as possible. Right. So yeah, whereas I was focusing on it before, now it's just like second nature to just every decision I make is based on that without me even thinking about it. Yeah. And so, and it becomes like, it. yeah, it's just so easy. It's like, of course I'm not going to 
spend, you know, $500 on this, or of course I'm not going to go do that. Like, or you're walking around a store and you're just like, no, I'm not going to impulse buy anything. Like you've just flexed your frugal muscles to the point where like you don't have to think about it. It's just, you're on autopilot. But then there's days where you're like, why isn't this going faster, right? Because <laughs> it takes a long time to get from one year of expenses to 10 year of, of, of expenses. So it, you just get bogged down sometimes in the details and you're like, how can I make this go faster? And at some point you get slapped with the reality that like, your savings rate isn't as high as what your little investor dollars are earning over, you know, like all the money that you've already invested, the compound interest is so much higher than your current dollars. And it's like, I just got to let them do their thing. Right. And the more you add to it, the more things they're going to do. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Well, are we ready for the last final step? Uh, what is that? Step level 10 then? Are we up all the way up at the top? Yep. So the final stage of FU money is to have 25 times your living expenses saved up. And do you know why that matters? Why is this the final step? Probably because the by the time you get to this level, uh, you will not need 25 years worth of expenses anymore before you die. No, that's not true because I actually encourage people to do this at a ultra young age it's because at that point you can officially tell declare yourself financially independent because if you have 25 percent expenses saved up and you have them invested so you can't have this in the bank account but if you have it invested your safe withdrawal rate is four percent one divided by four percent is 25 times that's mm -hmm. where i came up with 25 times yep. um so you can withdraw four percent a year which is your expenses, and then that money will regrow while you're, you know, you take it out at the beginning of the year, your money regrows back up to it by the end of the year. So you can take 4% out forever, and you never have to work another day in your life. So that's the magic dollar amount. You can continue living as you're living now, and you never need any more income added to that stack of pile of money. Yep. Boom. That's the dream. That's, that's the, dream. the dream. That's it. Um, Complete independent freedom. Financial freedom. Yeah. And, you know, it's because, yeah, you said, you know, oh, by the time you get there, you you won't have 25 years left. But, I mean, I, you know, it's no secret. Like, we're planning to get there in our 30s or very early 40s. Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to have more than 25 years left on us, I think. We hope. Yep, we hope. We hope. But, uh, and, and, you know, then I have people ask, like, well, what do you do then? Well, if you like your job, keep working. But it's like a really nice feeling, I'm sure. I guess I don't know yet. But I can only speculate that it's a really nice feeling to go into a job every day knowing that you do not have to be there. Right. You're there because you choose to be, not because... And you don't have to... Right? You don't have to work on things you don't want to work on because, like, you're like, I don't care. Right. right? I'm going to work on something that's interesting and fun or I'm going to go somewhere else and work on something interesting and fun. Because mm -hmm. that's all that matters to me at right. that point. Not job security is no longer a factor in your life, right? Or like maybe to you that means like going and working at Mancino's. Oh my gosh, and eating Mancino's <laughs> all the time. And then you'd get fired because you'd be eating too much Mancino's. But that's okay because then I'd go apply at the other Mancino's across town and be like, oh yeah, I have all this experience eating Mancino's. So, um, so really there there's another secret here, right? So one is saving money and investing it. But another one is getting your expenses lower. 
So this is like a double-edged sword because not only does lowering your expenses help you save more money, but it also lowers the amount that you actually need in your nest egg, right? Mm -hmm. So an example of this is, you know, let's say that you spend $10,000 a year, which is probably a little unrealistic. You would need a nest egg of $250,000, right, to live off of forever. Um, But let's say you, like, double that and you're, or, you know, times by five, you need $50,000 a year for expenses. I would say that's pretty normal. Then you need $1.25 million. Right. Right. So, but if you can like get that down to 40,000, then all of a sudden you need $250,000 less. Um, I think another really powerful thing here is, you know, now sometimes when we make decisions, uh, I have this calculator that I can plug in, like, what's the effect on my financial independence day if I were to spend $1,000 right now and it's one day and 24 hours and I'm like okay so is this worth me working two more days (laughs) because you know maybe I want to work or but maybe I don't and and I think like getting to that date and then having complete financial independence is such a cool concept that sometimes I'm totally willing to sacrifice things to, like, shave off two days of that number. So you have, like, a doomsday clock running of, like, when your actual final date I, is. I do. And, and like I said, it's fun because you can plug in, you know, different numbers with it. But, yeah, so, you know, I just open this little oinky on my phone. And then it's, like, just keep working for three years, seven months, ten days. And then you will be financially independent. Cool. Do you want to recommend what that app is? Yeah, so it's that? called Pretirement. P-R-E. P-R-E. So basically retirement with a P in front of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. You can put in your numbers and then you can, you know, update it once a week to what your actual current numbers are and it'll adjust the date. Um, and you can be like aggressive with your projection. You know, I'm kind of aggressive with this number, um, but you don't have to be. So it's, it's a really cool app. I really recommend it. It's kind of fun. It's fun to see where that number is. Is that free too? It's free, yeah. Of yeah. course. <laughs> I wasn't going to spend money and have to work an extra minute or something. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of cool resources out there. Um, I know I've mentioned it before, but Mr. Money Mustache is a great you know financial independence blog. Um, right. If you're looking to read through anything or have the time or the opportunity to like learn more about different ways to optimize and, and you know, financially life hack and do all that stuff, that is a fantastic place to dig through information mm-hmm. or ask people, you know, different questions. People are super helpful there. Uh, they're on it all the time. Uh, and they've been, I mean, that thing's been around for many years now. Right? Yeah. It's, been, it's built up a huge community of people that are all in the same mindset and are all trying to like move on the same pathway basically but they can be a little bit extreme um i will caution that so i would say like if you're somebody who likes to spend more money you know most people on the mr money mustache forums they're never going to even hit like two million dollars for their 25 times expenses because their expenses are just pared down so much so if you have higher expenses, go on over to Boggleheads. Like, you're going to be much more welcomed over there. Um, and again, it's great people giving great advice about investments, but it's just... Like, when we talked about financial advisors, how some want to work with high wealth and some want to work with middle class, like, 
Mr. Money Mustache is more middle class. Boggleheads is more like high, well, not even high wealth, because there's some high wealth people on Mr. Money Mustache, but Boggleheads is more like high spending, right? Okay. People that haven't hacked down their expenses. Or don't want to hack down their expenses. They just want to spend regularly. Yeah, because if you spend a lot of money, but you go to the, you know, Mr. Money Mustache forums and you put together a case study, like, people will help you pare them down. But you have to want to. So, um, and, you know, we try to talk about some of that, too. And it's kind of funny when we do podcasts about cutting expenses, what people do and don't agree with. You know, sometimes people are like, you're too crazy. And then... Like with biking. Um, and then sometimes people are like, you know, you, you spend too much money, like when we talk about travel. So I think that there's a balance for everybody. But, you know, we've definitely tried to optimize our expenses to hit that financial independence date as soon as possible. And we'll report back how it feels. As soon as we hit it? As soon as we hit it. <laughs> so, you know, three years, <laughs> seven Seven months and nine hours now. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's mostly it for this one. So I would say the five you know, big stages of FU money that you're really going to feel when you hit them are getting, first getting out of debt, then when you hit your first you know, targeted savings amount, then once you start tracking your net worth and you realize you could cover a year of expenses, then slowly you'll you know, check back in and be like, oh, wow, now I could hit 10 years of expenses. But it's all on that, like, slow path to that magic 25 number. And that's the dream. All right. Great. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you have any questions or comments about this one, we'll drop our contact information in, as always. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.